Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to creative people about their ups and downs and how they do it, why they do it, how they keep it going. All that. Beth Lapidus, she is a comedian and she also is the creator of the Uncabaret. It's an alternative comedy show that has been running in LA for 25 years and they're having their big 25th and November 18th hotel uh, theater here in Los Angeles, and the lineup is amazing. Like Julia Sweeney, Bob Odenkirk, Maria Bamford, Tigna Tar, Julie Goldman, Greg Barrett, Scott Thompson, Edelman, Andy Kindler, Rebecca Corey, Laurie Keitlinger, Justin Elizabeth Sir, Bowers, Willis, also Apple the musical director. There's be surprise guests from there. So anyway, if you like to see, and we're going to talk to Beth all about three of the Uncab and the big show and lots of other fun stuff. But first... I want to get a mention in for my side hustle, Lifecast by Dennis Hensley. It's where I interview people about their lives, uh, sort of like an audio heirloom. Uh, so if you have a special occasion you want to memorialize some milestone, uh, a big birthday, or perhaps as a gift for loved ones, your parents, you want to get down in a fun, no-stress way that you will cherish forever, get a Lifecast. And you can learn more about that at getalifecast.com. I also want to mention You Don't Know My Life, the, the uh, party game I've been developing with my friend Jeb Havens. We got our prototype last week. I think I talked about that. I'm so excited. I've been carrying it around like a baby and showing anyone that will look at it and let them open the box and da-da-da-da. And we're at that point where there's pencils involved in the game, right? So they send us plain white pencils that are kind of – they're sexy length. They're not like super short like golf pencils. They're kind of in the middle. And we're like, maybe we can get our name printed on them, the name of the game. And sure enough, we can. So we're making all those little tweaks to the game even better. You can pre-order your copy, and you can ensure that you have some good laughs at the holidays. That's a pretty good thing to do at this point, at this uh, at this time in history, going, hey, I want to have some laughs coming up. So you can pre-order your game at youdon'tknowmylifegame.com. That's enough plugs. Uh, here, without any further ado, is Beth Lapidus. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the Hollywood home of Beth Lapidus, the creatrix of the Uncabaret comedy show that's been going on for 25 years. More, I say 25, because gosh. Anyway, yes. You have your big anniversary event yes. show coming up. Yes, November 18th. Yeah, let's start with that. The lineup is amazing. Yes. Uh, do you want me to say the Yeah, names? rattle them off. Rattle off the names. Keitlinger. Keitlinger. Um, uh... It's so much easier if I look at it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Maria Bamford, Bob Odenkirk, Janine Garofalo, Laura Keilinger, Andy Kindler, Scott Thompson, a couple of guests that we can't announce yet. So exciting. Will, um, Hallie Willis. Uh, we're going to have an eight-piece band. I yes, love it. Amazing. And it's going to be at the Ace Hotel, right? Theater at the Ace. Theater at the Ace. I mean, come on. Happy it's, anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Cap really, I accurately should be saying... Cap UCLA at the Earth, the Ace, because they're really the They're behind, they're helping yeah, you, yeah, they're out there yeah, with you. Yeah. I love this show. I first Thank came you. to it, like, pretty early on. It was at Luna Park. Yeah. And I remember I had interviewed Margaret Cho for a magazine in 1993, and we got to be friendly and hang out a bit, and one of the first places I ever remember going was to the Young Cabaret mm -hmm. in West Hollywood, and it feels like... 15 minutes ago. I know. How does it feel like for you? Does it feel like it's flown by? It feels both, you know, that thing of time. It right. feels both like it was yesterday and like it's a million been things forever have and yeah. how, you know, an infinite amount of time. I can't even imagine how long it's been. Yeah. Now, you host the show. You also do a set. I host the show. the show. I do a set. I try to, in my set, I try to 
I would say open up the field. Yeah. I try to tap into what the energy is. Um, of course, you know, you have to bring the room together. That's a given for anybody. But, um, you know, because the show asks performers to delve into their now, I try right. to do that. I'm, you know, I'm like, or I'll take, I'll take the bullet. You know, sometimes I perform in other shows. It does happen. Right. And I don't have to open. And it's like, oh my God. Much easier. Yeah, you're um, not in charge of the whole thing. Yeah, you're not in charge. Just show up, do a fun set somewhere in the middle of the show. Maybe you're headlining. You don't have to. Yeah. You know. But anyway, that is what I do, and I, you know, that's it. What was the original impetus for it? What made you want to start it? Uh, it was like a confluence of things. Usually, that's the way it happens. There were three things that happened. One, I, in my very early career, had come out of performance art, and I was transitioning a very slow crossfade performance art, one-person shows, comedy. I'd come out here from New York. It was really more show business-y. The show more show business Right. Uh, it was, you'll fix that in post. I know, right? More show, show business We all know what that means, yeah, actually. Yeah, show business um, <clears throat> I didn't like so much about the clubs. I was following Andrew Dice Clay one night at the comedy store, and he was hating on women, I was hating on him, and the audience was laughing, so I was hating on them, and I was hating on myself for hating everybody, you know, and I, My God. I'm not, that brings up so much. So much to, and I am not good with hate, I'm not like, yeah, you know, there's some people like, yeah, I use it, I'm right. like, ah, hate. Um. <laughs> that might be the title of this podcast, I'm not good with hate. It's a good thing not to be, I think. It's okay. You know, I've gotten better at, you know, I've gotten better at it. But, um, so there was that, and I didn't feel like my work was necessarily getting better in the comedy clubs. So one night I was at the, a place called the Women's Building. It was important and historic and an art building. Anyway, I was doing a one-woman show called Globomania there, and... They were laughing. I knew what the show was, and I knew how funny it was, and they were reacting like it was a little funnier, which is nice. Sure, and I'll then take it, it gets funnier. But you know, yeah. afterwards, I was like, "When's the last time you laughed? Like, really? When was?" And they were like, "Oh, you don't laugh. We're women. We're artists, and we're lesbians. And if we go to comedy clubs, they make fun of us." And I was like, "Oh well, I'm going to come back and make a show. It's going to be unhomophobic, unxenophobic, unmisogynist. It'll be the uncabaret." So this is part And you rattle it off like that. Just like that. That's a, where the name came. It was a download. Right, like that. Yeah. I never thought of that. I don't, I don't even like cabaret. I don't even know what I was thinking. It's right. not like I was I was a cabaret artist. Right, you wanted to I, sing the song. Yeah, no, I didn't want to sing the song. I didn't... I'd Did never you, have you ever it. sung the song, even in jest? No. Un-cabaret. I mean, that's all. No, no. Right. But, um... It just came no, out. No, it wasn't like... A, I didn't even know what cabaret really was, honestly, at that yeah. point in my life. I was a, you know, boho chick, New York downtown never above 14th street girl how long had you been in la when that happened a couple years yeah only a couple years yeah um and i was working one night stands at like you know their runouts you know west covina sure and, you know lompoc and and then i would go back and I'd do highways or right. you know like cool sort cool of cool places. and then you know i'd be like nea's and family restaurants it was very schizophrenic right um but i did have a feeling about my performance art world life that it was just like a relationship where you're like are we really gonna grow old together i (laughs) don't know if that's 
that's really, but I loved so much about the art world, the beauty and the, and, and so part of it for me in the comedy world was I was just too sensitive for it. You know, right. I was an artist and it was just too much. So, but I was getting, you know, somewhere in it. It wasn't like, it wasn't happening at all. I got spots. I was working. Right. Uh, but anyway, so there were these women and so there was, okay, so there's my dissatisfaction there's this audience. Right. They're, and, they're screaming out for something. And then there's the rest of comedians, even the ones who are killing it and are good with hate. Right. Um, they are in this box because now we're at a time when, you know, it's such a boom that, you know, you're getting on late night TV with your really, your tight 10 and then right. you're getting your sitcom and it's all working out. This was so, the early so, 90s. So it's very, <clears throat> like, even great performers were so bottled up all this amazing material that could have been happening so right. it was those three things me the perfor- other performers and the audience we, uh, and then uh, we did a couple at women's building they lost their funding moved it to highways at highways it was just me taylor negron and judy toll for a whole right. run it's funny because even comedians i hear about now and also the late you know taylor negron both of them have passed yes yeah but when I hear about them, I think on Cabaret. Oh, I saw them at the on Cabaret. Yeah, yeah. There's certain people, Greg Barrett on yeah, Cabaret. His in anniversary show. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. certain people that I think about and I associate with that show, and that's yeah. where I first saw them. Right. And some of them done different things. Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah. it was a way to develop a voice. I mean, it's interesting. The Highways Run uh, really was a kind of gestation, if you would say that the women's building was a conception. The highways was a gestation, and really in that time, all the parts of our DNA that really were important became clear. Uh, from Taylor, the LA ness of it, the poeticness right. of it, the da da ness of it, as you right. say, the storytelling of it, Judy told the intimacy of it, right. the best friendness of it, the comedy of love of it, the um, oversharing of it. Yeah. Um, with me, probably, you know. Too many ideasness of it. The you, you know the, that I put together this group of friendsness of it. Yeah, you know there was it really of, had that feeling to it. There's a little bit of politics. You know, then there was another thing, which is that in uh, so we did our run there, and then when Jean Pierre, who is is a part of the story because he had previously done lots of club, and then Largo, he was the right. original owner of Largo. When he's uh, he called me and see if I wanted to do something at Luna Park before it opened, and I said, "Yeah, I'll do comedy. He's going to be funny." You know, he's very Parisian and a right. snob, and I love that about him. You know, I love yeah. a, a Booker who's a snob because you're going to be in a place where things are going to be good, right? You know, he, it, what's not a pay-to-play situation, which I have, ne- you know, it was a curated club, right? And um, that's and where it, I think I discovered yeah. it. At Luna well, Park. it was a beautiful place to go because yeah. there was dinner, there was a place to hang out, you could hang out. After the show, he made home environment. Yeah. Know, so it was great there. That, that show was one of those ones where, like, were you there the night that so-and-so yes. did such and such? Yeah. What are the moments that come to mind for you when you think of, oh, that was the night that Kathy Griffin did mm. blank? Or... Well, just know this. I'm a girl who made a show about the now because I have no memory. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to That's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard. I uh, Anyway, I do remember some things. Right. Um, and there's, a, you know, there's an archive and there's CDs and people should, you know, download them and listen. Right. There was, for instance, the first Father's Day show. I can remember that. What was it like? Uh, it was so dark. And <clears throat> we had a lot of women on the lineup and almost always there was a bunch. And for some reason, you know, I never, 
I never had to book like, oh, do we have women? Because there was always happening. Right. For some flukish <clears throat> reason, this one night there were no women on the show. Right. Me. Maybe there was one, but it was also Bob Odenkirk, David Cross, Andy Kindler. Then I don't remember who exactly. Maybe it was Bob Goldthwait. Maybe it was Greg Barron. Maybe it was. I don't know. I can't remember exactly who else. But right. I know for sure David Cross, and because um, his manager was there, and he's always quoting it, you know, reminding me, do you remember that show? And we hadn't made, like, a Father's Day show. It just happened right. to be Father's Day. We weren't, and like, people were talking about It wasn't, like, talking about. a special show, so you're in the now, so, yeah. okay, Father's Day, stories about dads. Oh, my God. It was so freaking dark. It was, like... <laughs> <laughs> It was like Poison and Their Dads. There are some really... If you want to know where Kavanaugh came from, you know. Right. It's all there in that first one. So that was amazing. Um, you know, Julia Sweeney, more than one night, I remember just the run of it, of her living through all the material that became God Said Ah. Right, when she was dealing with cancer. Yeah, and first her brother... I mean, yeah. the setup of the story is she was leaving Saturday Night Live. She has this little bungalow in Hollywood. She's going to move back to it, and she's going to have the greatest little, you know, the greatest life there. And then... You do her creative thing. I mean, it's going to be sunshiny. And her brother gets cancer. Her parents move in. Then she gets cancer, and God says, ha. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And that was all unfolding. That was week all to unfolding week, week to week in real time. And the way she made that material was, you know, from the recordings of Uncapped Transcribed and, you know, all yeah, when you went and saw the finished show, you were like, wow. No, no, she worked with us and yeah. took the things, and yeah. So you were part of it all the way along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so thrilled for her to see that, and yeah. What has it meant for you in your life to have this sandbox to go to, whether you're having a shit week, or a great week, or the you know, worst thing happened, I'm gonna or the be best honest. thing happened? I'm going to be honest. Yeah, we love that. Not as good as it is for everyone else in the show. That's, that makes sense. Because I'm, it's, you know, one of those life ironies. I made it for me and my work and my own frustrations. Right. But then the better I got at hosting. Right. Because that was my job, of, you know, as right. it turned out. Um, you need a host for a show. And you have to set the tone and you really do set a great I tone. And I really felt, I started to understand, and I didn't understand it at the beginning, but I began to understand it more and more. That there was a certain level I couldn't share at, or I wouldn't. I had to make a safe space for everyone, right? Which meant you can share up to a certain point, but you're not going to share yes. everything because you. The main thing about comedy, the thing that will keep people from laughing, is if they're worried about you, right? And so, and they worry a little less if there's someone in charge who's hosting his mama. Yeah, but I had to do it enough, so I it was it's it's been tricky, and right? Because if you bear everything, and then you go back out, and now let's hear it for yeah, you, yeah, they're like still oh, on wait, your other story. What about yeah. your thing? Are you all right? Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I've been you know at various times a little resentful about it, and yeah. at various times I've just accepted it. You know, yeah, serenity prayer. But it is it has been kind of. I've had to go away from on cabaret to do some of the work that I really wanted to do. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, considering yeah. you built it as a place to, to do to express it. that. Yeah. Have you ever let it go for a long time? Or I know I did taken... a couple of years. Yeah. I let it go for a couple of you know, really, except for this one period of a couple of years, the longest I really was a couple would be a holiday break. Yeah. A couple of weeks at a time. But there was one point when I was just like, I've really got to do some other stuff. Right. You know, and I did uh, put it down. I really thought, that's it. It's over. You know, it's done. Right. But I, I, I've closed on Cabaret a lot. 
Yeah. I've closed it. That's it. I have it's it. in the Hollywood Reporter. It's yes. over. Right. And then three weeks later, I'm like, oh, this, this is a good space. Maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe. All right, we're back. Uh, <laughs> All right, we're back. What's the best space? Uh, well, Luna Park was incredible. The best. I mean, it just really was because yeah. of everything, you know. Um, the architecture of the space, which I do write about. There's like a story in the LA Weekly, and I write about that space and architecture and wh- how many reasons there were. That made I still remember space. the stairs coming down. Because I talk about that. Kind of article. hanging out on the stairs yeah, with the was, And also the way you sort of faced yourself in a big mirror, and then you turned away from yourself. There was a turning away from ego. Right. And a descent into subconscious. The room itself was underground and room-like. It was low ceilings. It was... And also it was nice without being too fancy. Yeah. Um, So all of that made it an incredible room. HBO Workspace was the theater and that kind of brought out interesting things in the show. Sure. Knitting Factory was enormous and that made things big and that wasn't quite right, but interesting. Embar was very functional and a lot of amazing stuff happened. Oh, I remember another thing. I remember after 9-11, um, we were at HBO Workspace at that time. You're asking for specific things. Yeah, I love this stuff. Um, and I remember that everybody kept saying, it's too soon for comedy, it's too soon for comedy. Well, we were up the next week. Yeah. Because it was never too soon for Uncabaret. It yeah, because never, people don't talk about anything. You're never too soon to tell your own story and try to make it funny. I mean, the pain that we're all in together now. And I remember really feeling like, oh, I thought it was just me. Oh, now we're all in it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How was the Trump era been at the Uncabaret? Well, it's been hard. A lot of things have been hard. It, coming back, so after the hiatus, we came back to this club first and hope. And I really wasn't planning on a comeback for on cabaret. We did feel done. And then this room became available, and it was a great room. And and then Mitch was like, let's do And I was like, we'll do Playtime with Beth and Mitch. And it was music. I think all these things. I was like, let's do Uncap. I was like, mm-mm. Joe's dead to me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's over. And he was like, let's just do one for your birthday. It'll be fun. Yeah, birthday one. And yeah, then you're back. One. And then and seven years later. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, um it's and it was different, you know. Yeah. During the time that I took off from Uncap, also I spent a lot of time out in the desert, and you know I really did kind of set a reset button and um, and to come back. Well, I first looked around, I was like, well, alt comedy is so big now. Maybe it's really not necessary. Before I say yes, right? It felt like when the, when I first discovered it, it yeah. felt like the only thing out there like that. There wasn't anything like it. We yeah. invented it. Yeah, I'm going to say we invented it. And yeah, right. then I'll stand things, by that. things were like it, and yeah, you know. And then okay, and then it happens, and we didn't do everything, but there wasn't a thing like that, right? Um, and then even when we were going to start again seven years ago, I was like, well, I don't know, all comedy is so big now. I mean, maybe it's really not necessary. And there's a part of me that only wants to do what's called for, what's necessary. Right? Well, where am I being called? You right? Know, what's, what's which up? is the original impetus yeah. of this. And I went around and I was like, well, there's pot comedy and there's stoner comedy and there's kind of more casual comedy and there are more stories. So it is, it did change things, but there is an uncap. Like I didn't find, I wasn't like, oh yeah, everybody's doing it. It's right. fine. You still I, felt like it had an it didn't, space. There weren't, and there, there were shows that didn't have enough. And women, the women, yeah. women's voice, gay voices were yeah. not enough. Uh, but also the nowness of it, 
which to me is what I love. It's not just that it's stories. Yeah. It's the stories that are very present. But I'll tell you, you know, things have changed so much and that's a lot of years. Yeah. So, I mean, social media changed everything. Yeah. More than Trump, it was social media because people became unable to share at that level. I mean, we'll, we were just in a special time. I mean, yeah. It was in a- other words, the people that come to your show, to perform in your show now, won't say the things they might have said 10 years ago, Definitely 15 not. years ago, because it'll be everywhere. 100%. Interesting. 100%. It's not the same kind of sharing. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I and remember he, people talking about affairs with rock stars. and Oh, yeah. I think names somebody took her top named. off. Yeah. Names, names were named. named. Yeah. You know, and people just clean. And maybe some names are named, but it's really cleaned up. Yeah. It's really cleaned up. And so that's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, it's also tighter. We yeah. made a tighter show. It's more, a little bit more of a show. There's more music than there I was, remember. Well, there was no music. Yeah. We, you know, we had... Um, Greg Miller, who was my original co-producer, right. and he you know, he was great with, like, cues and stuff, and, you know, there was always, you know, the usual, the right. cues, but there wasn't, like, an on They're not a, music. Or a musical act. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, every now and then, Angie Dick would whip out the guitar or something right. like that, and, <laughs> and he had one I thought you were going to say something he else. He did whip that out, too, but yeah. not, you know, and he had, uh, there was one great song of his on one of our CDs, I'm not stalking you, I'm just calling you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> It's a pretty great song. <laughs> it's a good it's one. It's an important one. Yes, it is. Um, so the music changed it. Mitch also, as a co-producer, had a much more uptown... I mean, even though he was Sandra's... Sandra yeah, Mitch Kaplan. Yeah, yeah, Mitch Kaplan, Sandra Bernhardt's musical director and collaborator for many years. So, you know, certainly a downtown edge. But his taste also is just a little more... It was interesting to, you know, have... To collab. Yeah, it was interesting to kind of you know, make those two different taste elements fit together. And he definitely had less um, of a stomach for long exploratory sets. Right. Let's just say. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, Get to the point. He's like, um, and he's on stage, and, you know, and, yeah, and they the can tell if he's he, engaged. People are, can tell if the musicians are engaged or bored, right. you know, yeah. whether it's him or Denise. Denise also. is an old friend of mine. Yeah, I mean, she just... We were friends when she worked at Video West. Oh, my God. Well, she just loves the comedy, so that's fun. But, yeah. um, so that's different. And also, it wasn't just that time has changed. People's sense of urgency in terms of how much they have to get done and the phones there. Yeah. And everybody's really busy. The world is more demanding. And yeah. uh, we don't have the kind of time to sit around. You know, when we started on Cab, there wasn't even good Sunday night TV. Yeah. Like, there was nowhere else. This is the best place to be. This was, you were like, sure, three hours, yeah. great. You don't have people going Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. No. Yeah. You know, and yeah, sure, you can record it, but it, it, people don't want to. But, yeah, yeah it's a, some of it's event TV. And then... There's just everything else, all your work that has to get done. Yeah. Which... Everyone has to create this online life. All the time. All the time. And so, you know, so that called for a shorter show, too. Yeah. Uh, Also, you know, it was then discovering a whole new... Then, you know, everybody came back and did sets, and it was great. But, I mean, you know... Patton's doing his Netflix special and can do, you know, is filling Largo on his own, whatever night yeah. he, you know, he wants to schlep downtown to do yeah. 15 minutes or even a longer set. Right. You know, people have kids. Sunday night is hard for right. that. Um, I guess that's what they say. So they say. So, they say. <laughs> so, you know, so that became, you know, peppering in the original group with, you know, finding new people and new voices and. It was challenging because that's 
I'm picky. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. You've watched people come there newer, and then you watch people blow up and come yep. down. Like, from your vantage point, you've seen it all in terms I've of... I've seen it all. What's that been like? And what, what have you observed? About, I guess, about fame, about money? Um, it's better to have money. <laughs> yeah. I think that's true as well. You know, money doesn't fix it. Right. Money doesn't fix it. I've seen people get totally bent out of shape with, about money. Yeah. And, um... But I bet you've also seen people have this big moment where you think, oh my God, it's always going to be like this. And then, then they're, then it's not. You know, interestingly, not that much. I haven't seen that play out. I've more seen careers slowly but surely grow and get stronger. Um, but it has a little bit, for yeah. sure. I mean, I can, now that I'm saying that, now I'm thinking of instances where it seems like, oh, oh, mm. Oh, ow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you just kind of, yeah. you know, and yeah. you have relationships with all these people. Yeah. It's a ride. It's a ride. It's a ride. Yeah. Do they confide in you? Do you have that kind of a, because um, it's a friendship sort yeah. of situation where people you confide I mean, I, in each other. Yes, sure. Um, it's funny because I feel very close to so many people and then, but if it's at the show, I'm working and, right. you know. I try to make sure there's time, and we try to make time to hang sure. out. And, but you got to But it's a lot. To do. So, but I, you know, I certainly have tried to track what's important to people, and they're in love, or there's a great new job, or a dad died, or what's happening. You know, right. what's really important that's really happening to you. That's awesome. Yeah, but you know, nothing. I haven't. It's, no, but but, that, that's, but that's yeah, cool that you. But yeah, I feel like how fortunate to have done this thing where I've made the best friends in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Do people go away after a while and come back and say, oh my God, I missed this? Or like yeah. they go off on a career, they go make a movie or something crazy and then they yes, come back. Yes, that yeah. will happen. That yeah. will happen. And they're like, oh, this feels like home. Yes. That will happen. That's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, it's great. Do you remember the first time you got on stage to be funny? Well, it's funny because, it's funny. <laughs> um, I was being funny on purpose, like within... My performance art show. I mean, they went sure. from being really serious to integrating more and more comedy, and then right. that's what made me think, like, I think somebody called it performotainment at one point. And, <laughs> um, that's kind of great. It's kind of great. I it was it. a compliment. It yeah, wasn't, I'll take you it. Know, but then I was like, but I really, like, it's kind of cheating to not go and do it in that world. It's right. It's cheating to just stay in the performance art world. And then I did, yeah, I do remember, like, the first comedy club... There were two, I do have two things. Yeah. One is, um, God, which came first? Well, anyway, I was touring successfully this one show, and um, it was in Boston, a beautiful space uh, called the Institute of Contemporary Arts, and uh, and because I was there, and the guy was like, you should, like, we'll get you up at the comedy club at the same time. And I was like, yeah, sure. I could, it would be funny at the comedy club. I'm yeah. funny. They got me on. They, I mean, I didn't realize what a big deal. It was a Saturday night in Boston in the eight, like late 80s. Right. It was a big deal spot. But I had had an enormous great review in the Boston Globe that day that was yeah. like, anything she says is funny. Well, it was in my one-person show, show in that context. I'm trying to remember which one I did at that point, was doing at that point. I had a bunch of them, but I think that one was called... A good American novel, and it was called story, you know, stories and storytelling and heroes, and 
Um, anyway, so, so I go to this go comedy, to comedy club, club. Yeah. and I, you know, have extracted the funny parts, but you can't really do that. You know, this was me at the beginning trying to figure out how you make something that's an hour and a half into, you know, six minutes. And, um, I get off stage and it wasn't going great. I was getting some lost, but so I kept working at it harder and it was date night in Boston in a college town. Boston's not my city, whatever. Right. So I get off and the comedians are all standing in the wings and they're all looking at me with their, with their like eyes wide as pies. And they're like, didn't you see the light? And I was like, yeah, I saw a lot of lights. And I mean, if you're not a comedian, you don't know that the light is like the thing. It's like the thing they use to tell you to get off stage. I mean, every comedian knows this. You learn it at your first open mic. But I hadn't come up through comedy ever. So they were just like, they were like on the floor. They were like, a lot of lights, the light. What about the light? And then the guy, I actually got paid my first comedy gig. That's awesome. Except the guy's like paying me. He's like, you know, pulling out the cash and paying me. And he's like... You just keep your, don't quit your day job. It's like, my day job is being fab, you know, it's me. Exactly. Then, then, you know, and then I started from, then I went back to New York and I started with, you know, the three minute spots and the three minutes. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, did they, did you go on longer than you were supposed to? Did oh my God. I'm sure so yeah, much yeah, longer. Yeah. <laughs> happens. That's, you don't know. I didn't know. It's I like some, know. I've talked like, to actors who didn't know what a mark was. Yeah. They didn't know they were. Just didn't yeah. know. I didn't you know. But, if, yeah. you know, the first time you do stand-up. Right. Which most people learn at their first open mic, time is weird. Yeah. It goes fast. I mean, you were saying life 25 years. Yeah, it does. Slow. It feels kind of It feels insane. when you're on stage doing stand-up that first time, you're like, has that been three seconds or four hours? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what do you love about doing comedy? Laughs. I just love laughs. I love... You love hearing hearing it. I love hearing it. I love laughing. I mean, that's part of also why I made it is because I love to laugh. Yeah. And I wasn't seeing what my... I knew what my friends were like on the phone. Well, they weren't that way when I saw them in clubs. And I wanted to get to that. And you thought that other people would appreciate it too. I guess. I hoped. I do remember... It was very intuitive. I don't want to make it seem like I had a grand scheme. Right. I thought... I mean, when we booked at Luna Park, it was three nights. I wasn't like, and 25 years later, I will be... You know, I just love to laugh. And I have... I'm really an expressive person, and I'm not... Like, I wasn't great at the tight 10 and saying the thing over and over again. And I was... I mean, a manager saw me... He was like Paul Reiser's manager, and... You know, this one, and Tori Amos is manager, and he saw me in a little performance art show, and he's like, you're really funny, I can get you on at the improv, and I didn't, I went, and I auditioned, and I opened with my abortion joke, because it didn't occur to me, like, oh, maybe not for your audition, you know, <laughs> and I didn't like what the way was the, it? What is um, it? Oh, I have not feeling that well today, yeah. I had to have an abortion, yeah. I and mean, I didn't have to have one, I was pregnant or anything, but, you know, I had the time, I had the money. You know, I may as well get one while they still let us. <laughs> and sadly, that joke may be a joke I have to take back out. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, and whatever. I mean, it's not a way to say hello to, <laughs> to a new, to to a a new, new situation. situation. And I didn't like the way the guy looked at me and this and that. But you know what? I was so young and I just so didn't know. And I never called that manager. I yeah. was like. Oh, you know, thanks for the audition, and here's what happened, and what do you yeah. think? You know, that's what you do. And but you, all these years later, I ran into we ran into a friend of Mitch's who I didn't even know, and this guy looked at me. This is such a god shot. This guy looks at me, and he says, "You know, you should pay Michael Peterson." I'm like, I don't know who he knows me. 
Because you know you should call you should call Arthur Spivak. Oh, all right. I had to like remembered the thing and I was like, that's weird. I should apologize for that. That's weird. My client is really happy to hear from me when I went and had lunch and started managing me. I mean it's like It was that same manager. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And how many years later? Like a thousand. I yeah. love that you call it a god shot. Yeah. I love that term. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. That's your let's say Oprah has her uh Full circle moments or her aha moments. I didn't, I didn't moments. invent the phrase, but it's... I think I, you invented it to me. Well, there you go. I, I um, share it with you. Yeah, whenever these things happen that are like, it, they just, it's God. You know, it's yeah, like... There, and there's a lot of God shots about our cabaret. It's been filled with God shots, you know. And even the fact that this 25th anniversary is happening, I was very, hmm. And then a friend who's been coming to the show, I was like, you should really, and where would you like to? And I said, the ace. She, you know, was like, I was like, I don't, I don't have time. Because it's a weekly show. I mean, that's the other it's thing. It's a lot. We went, we had breakfast. You know, I looked at the numbers, can't do it. Then I just was like, what the heck, Happy UCLA? It would be amazing if they produced us. And I reached out, like, on Facebook to Christy, who's an amazing, amazing artistic director, Christy Edmonds. She's a treasure of Los Angeles. That's program. awesome. Yeah. So they're sort of partnering with you. Yeah. Making it work. Yeah. That's, that's great. fantastic. Yeah. I also remember you have a very distinctive laugh, so I can remember you laughing at the show, and it made it more fun. Well, it, it made was, it feel like you were in somebody's living room or something. Well, you know how there's that awful shot when you watch TV comedy, which yeah. I don't enjoy for the most part watching comedy on TV, but you know sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, um, they show you the audience to tell you it's funny, and when we actually did our show for Comedy Central, this was our biggest fight. We were like, we're not showing the audience. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Our audience is smart enough to know if it's funny, they'll laugh. If it's not funny, they won't laugh. Right. But, you know, in the end, we did make a compromise, which was sort of very authentic to the show, which is that, like, they'd cut away to me at the back mic. Yeah. And, you know, if I was laughing. But at the beginning, there was so nothing like it that I think my laughing at it let the audience know, no, this is funny. Like, okay, yeah. it's not sort of punchline, but, like, you're, this is... Uh, it's okay to it's laugh okay to if laugh somebody's telling part. a story about yeah. a horrifying date yes. or cancer or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. It's okay. You made it okay. Yeah. Okay, you picked some questions from the observation deck. I hope that I... They're fun. Okay. Do you collect anything? I do. I'm collect? so happy to see a card I could say yes to. Yes. Um, I collect keys. I collect keys of homes that people have given me their key to. And it's just nothing makes me feel more loved than for someone to give me the key to their house. I love it. And I have a lot of them. And probably from houses that they don't even own anymore. Oh, yeah. It's um, not all owned. I don't even know what they go to. I mean, right, it's just a it's giant just, ring. It looks like a paperweight now. But it makes you feel like I'm trusted. I feel trusted. I feel like I have friends. I feel... Kind of like, like Schneider on One Day at a Time with yeah, the big key ring. Yeah, a little bit like that. I mean, it's just... All the memories, you I know, of all the places I've slept and stayed. Love it. All right. What's the best time you ever had in a limo? I was running for first lady. Uh, I was running to make first lady an elected position. If you remember the 92 campaign, it was okay. lighthearted and we could do this thing. And uh, I had a joke that was like, I'm running uh, for first lady. And, um, and Greg actually said that would be funnier if he did it rather than said it. And I was like, well, she, because my platform was... She works really hard, so we should pay her. But if yeah. we're going to pay her, we should get to pick her. Let's pick her. Let's pay her. Right. And then I would start to talk about, you know, gender politics yeah. in it. And I was all dressed up and I big hair. Anyway, so I got on a lot of shows and they would send limos. And it was always fun. I started just ride, riding around, you know, in a limo. You, you were know. running for First Lady. I ran for this First Lady. This was right around the time Moncap started, right? It was right between Highways and Luna yeah. Park. Yeah. 
What a cool thing. How long did you keep that up? I did it for the whole campaign. I went to the Democratic National Campaign Convention. Convention? Oprah invited me. I'd be on Oprah. But Joan invited me to be on Joan Rivers, and I picked Joan Rivers. I couldn't do them both, and then Joan bumped me, and then it was a tragedy for the rest of my life. Oh, my God. That hurts my heart, but I understand why you picked Joan. Oh, what a great idea. I think it's important, and I would still stand by it, but politics has become so, we're in such a dire situation, and you can't do something that lighthearted. It was a little more lighthearted. Yeah. You know, there was a little less of a feeling of like... It's more like, oh, let's think about this. I mean, people think in another way. We're already like... We're so worked up, and when <laughs> yeah. that's the other thing when you say, has this time changed on cab? I mean, we're just living in such a much more heightened time. Yeah. People need a little more relief. I agree. Yeah. What celebrity death hit you the hardest? Um... I think you said it before we started, the actor, Capote, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. Yeah. In my face. I don't know. It was crazy. You know, it was the addiction stuff and the way it happened. I don't know. It's weird. And Princess Diana kind of hit me because I felt like the... But he really hit me hard. Usually I can just distance myself and say, well, it's sad. Yeah. But Philip Seymour Hoffman, it just kind of... It threw me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Who was your most impactful teacher? Um, I, you know, I picked that card and I didn't even have an answer, but it's such yeah. a good question. Well, you also teach as well. I also do say. teach me, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had an English teacher in high school. Her name was Jane Cohen, and she just really kept me into the words and the words and the words and the words. That's books, awesome. The hard books. And um, and then I think, you know, my yoga teachers, the whole yeah. lot of them, I think of them as a teacher. But I had one teacher named Anthony, and I studied with him rigorously for about five years and um that studio healed another yoga injury i had and he he had a few things one was um fully engaged yeah are you fully engaged we're your whole body working yeah are you fully engaged i love it uh when was the time in your life when you were in the right place at the right time Every minute of every day. I love that answer. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. I mean... Have I, you always been that way, or is that something you grew no, to No, I'm really in the last... I've done a lot of, you know, deep soul searching in the yeah. last chunk. But now I fought for that. Yeah. And I don't... Oh, I don't believe that. I do believe it, but I don't believe it every minute of every day. Yeah, and it's hard to I live work, it. It's hard to live it. Yeah. And people are always like, well, what's God's plan? It's like, whatever you see happening, that's what's the plan. Yeah. I mean, you know, but then suit up. And, it's that little balance between going with the flow and being fully engaged. You know, it's just like you do have to show up and do all the work. I mean, like on cab, didn't I mean, that's such a great example of my life philosophy is how on cabaret works. It takes so much work to make every show happen. But once you've done that work, let it all go and move through the night. And have a good time. Yeah. I love it. If there was a doll of you that talked, what would it say when you pulled the string? Here's the thing. You say that a lot? <laughs> it's a good thing. I like it. I like that better than the thing of it is. Who Here's came up thing. with the thing of it is? I don't know. Here's the thing. I even have it in my theme song. You know, yeah. we have this theme song called Change. And there's, in the song, I even sing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. I love that you have a theme song. That's amazing. Ooh, uh, if you could really relive one day from your childhood, what would it be? You know, there was, I was a sick child, I, and I, I think this is probably true of many artists and creative people, you know, go through childhood illness or trauma. Right. I say trauma, I know, that's an unusual. I like it. You make it uh, your own. You make it your own. And I had some stuff happen that I, I think shaped me, and I wish that I could go back and understand 
I know. I realize now this is probably a question of like the happiest day of my no, life. No, a lot of times it's, the, it's something else. Yeah. Um, and just the understanding. I did a little of EMDR therapy around it. I've and, done it. And so the, you go back and you yeah. sort of reframe. So I sort of have gone back to that time. And just the knowing of just this one simple idea of uh, it's going to hurt and then it's going to be over. It doesn't last. Nothing lasts forever. But that, you know, the opposite is also true. But also in the hospitals where I really was another impetus for UNCAP because I saw kids playing doctor in the hospital. And they were, uh, I thought it was crazy. I'm like, we're in the hospital. Can't we play nurse and spaceship? I mean, not nurse, but like, you know. Yeah, so they were were fooling around. They were fooling around with doctor stuff. And I'm like, no, no, what about school? What about, you know, any uh, cowboys and, you know, I don't know. And I can't ever think of a game because I just like to work. But whatever it is. Right. But when I was in the comedy world, I kept having this idea there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And I did flash on me as a child in the hospital thinking there's got to be a different game. There's got to be a different game. And I realized like, oh my God, you were in the hospital thinking that, but you never suggested a different game. And you can't just go around the comedy world thinking there's got to be a better way and not think of a better way right. and not do anything Put about it. Up. Yeah. And so and you I did. Mean, and I did. But it was, you know, it's kind of from that childhood experience. Of knowing this should be different. And, and maybe isn't. if I had done it as a child, I wouldn't have had to live through having done it and comedy. as, a, And I could have just been a comedian and it would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the last one you, you oh, picked. Okay. What ha, have you ever stolen anything? I did once steal. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a good stealer. Yeah. But I did steal a Betsy Johnson skirt once. That's a great thing to steal. And, um, it was from a bin. It wasn't even an expensive Betsy Johnson skirt, but this is the greatest thing. I did a talk show for MTV. I made a pilot. Didn't end up, it was announced as a series and then yeah. they retracted it. That's a, not a happy minute. Um, <laughs> Hollywood. Oh, I mean, Hollywood. I know. Um, anyway, she was a guest Yeah, and I got to, I got to apologize to her. Right. I love it. <laughs> Where did you steal it from? Her, she had a boutique. Her own, yeah, like a Betsy Johnson Betsy thing. Johnson boutique. Yeah. You got to apologize. apologize and, you know, offer gracious? her the $10 back. I think I she it. was like, so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was on Dancing with the Stars doing cartwheels is my I mean, memory. Why? Um, I mean, what a weird thing to do to someone. It's almost worse than just the original thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, tell people again how they can learn more about the show and how they can come see it. Well, you can learn more about Uncabaret, certainly in all social, uh, yeah. at Uncabaret Everywhere. And, uh, we are also have a website, uh, which was hacked recently and we had to rebuild. So it's a little minimal, but yeah, we were hacked. We had to take it down. Damn. Um, yeah, it was really not, it was not good. It's not good. Not good. So, but we're on, you know, on cabaret.com has all the links you'll yeah. need, but you know, Instagram and Twitter. And, and there's still tickets I have for to the say that the Twitter uh, account is fun. I try to basically retweet all the people on the show. So I try to keep it filled with, you know, the important politics that comedians love to tweet about and also um, funny stuff. It's a good, it's, it's a, a good Twitter feed. It's a good Twitter feed. Yeah. I love it. Um, and there's still tickets. There are still tickets. The uh, orchestra sold out, mezzanine is sold out, and uh, we're selling the balcony. So All right, that's say, exciting. I say low ticket alert. I know, I low ticket alert, and I want to get my ass a balcony seat. I, I would love to come to that show. Um, final question, What's what would you like to do now? What's the dream? Such a good question. Um, 
The dream is, well, I want to, you know, put out this show as we want to shoot the show. I mean, just next up, like yeah, the, this particular show. Yeah, we yeah. just put this out, and yeah, there's always the dream of putting out these stories. But I have a book I want to write. I want to do. I had did a show called 100 percent Happy, 88 percent of the time, and um, I I'm, I love that title. <laughs> and uh, I did the show before the story had completely unfolded. The story has now, and I, it's a, it's an you have amazing an story. I have an ending, and I want to write the book. Um, I, and, you know, I'd like to do my, I'd like to do the Bethel Petus comedy album. I mean, I have to yeah. start working on that. And, uh, I have a new show I want to work on called, uh, Living Your Beth Life. And, you know, a live show. And like a stage oh, show. a stage show, yeah. yeah. So the book, the show, you know, my own material. Yeah. Always, you know, looking for the new, where on Cabaret will, it's funny with on Cabaret, like, what is it, where are we going to, the venue the closed, next, what's yeah. the next thing? Where's it going to go open? You know, I would love the perfect answer to drop in my lap. I'm interested in touring it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I know you've done some shows in Palm Springs. Palm Springs at the Ace Hotel also, which has been fun. And we've toured to some degree, to some great spaces, and done some New York, and um, the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. And I'd like, you know, just did a movie, and and I acted as a big enough part. I got my own best friends, so that was a big... That was first, yeah. What's this? I was in a movie, but I... Has it come out yet? It hasn't come out yet. What is yeah. it? It's called You Are Here, and I, it was fun. Yeah. That's well, cool. Paul Provence was the lead, and um, it, was, it was a love triangle. I love that. Yeah, How fun. fun. Yeah, so we should watch for that. Watch for that. And, I love it. Uh, some, some more acting. Awesome. So, you know, act, the, you know, and the coaching. Do you I still love. do that? Do you do individual or is classes? I both. I yeah. do both. And I, that's on the Uncab website? That's on the Uncab website, and... Um, the classes are amazing, and every now and then I get a little like, I don't know, you know, teaching. I get a little ego thing, and then I go teach, and I just fucking love it. Yeah. And, and my students are that. doing the best stuff, and, you know, I you attract the right... I, at this point, really, people come find me who are interesting and cool, and I've made, you know, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I do that. I work with people individually, and I also work with the classes, and I keep it at the right level. I've learned, you know, as you go, you make mistakes, and I was like... If I try doing it too much, I don't like it because then there's not my own work. I really try to teach from a, I'm a working artist myself. Yeah. And this is where I teach from. Love it. And, um, and in that way, it keeps me inspired. Yeah. yeah. Fires you up. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, this has been so much fun. So Thank much you fun for taking the time. Thank you. I want to say something. For ever since I went to that first show, you were always nice to me. A lot of a lot of people in that world. Oh. I was sort of an interloper. I was somebody's friend, and you were always nice. I was. Yes, and, and still are. You always nice. You always donate tickets to the mismatch game. Oh yeah, I love to do that. Yeah, yeah, it means a lot. Well, so. you know, that's nice to hear because you know, along the way, I'm sure I wasn't nice to everyone. Yeah. But there I, are other people outside that really hate you. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm there's the laugh that I love. Well, that's the other thing I want to do. If anybody can help me make a laugh, that's and put my laugh into a ringtone. That's that amazing. I, that I could then, um, oops, oops that was, but then I could then, uh, market, you know, sell, and then, you know, maybe we could do it for like, you know, a, you know, we'll donate the money, but I'd like to put it out there. I'd like to have make my laugh into a ringtone. I know it's possible. People just email me. Yeah. Beth at uncabaret.com. I'm very easy to find. There you go. How did you know you had an interesting laugh? When did you first know, oh, my laugh is... Do people comment on your laugh? It was really... Uh, I didn't know, though other people might have known, until Uncap. Like, yeah. I wasn't aware of it as a thing yeah. until Uncap. It became a thing with And then cab. people kept saying, your laugh, your laugh. I was like, yeah. what? But my college friends, when I was like, I was so serious in college, listen, I... 
And they were, they're always like, no, you know, I think of myself as like, I was very serious until I started. And then there were, so I think, I think it always was. It was always there. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. We got to go see the show. Yeah. Yeah, We're going to do this. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Beth Lapidus. Check out her website, uncabaret.com. You can learn about the big show and also her teaching and all kinds of fun stuff is on there. All right. So this happened. There's a benefit show in LA called Best in Drag Show, and it is a gigantic drag pageant. It started out in like, I don't know, the 80s or 90s. Uh, Some guys in their living room just doing a pageant um, for fun, and it developed into this big fundraiser for Aid for AIDS, uh, a big charity here in LA. And it's just over the years gotten crazier and bigger. It's changed names a few times, but it's held at the Orpheum Theater in downtown LA, which holds like several thousand people. you know, there are people who are being on camels and flying and like they go to town with this with this um, pageant. And my dear friend Danny Casillas entered the, the contest as Reba Ariba, Miss Texas. And long story short, he won. He took the whole thing. He had the most clever costumes and the most his character was so consistent and thought through. And like for his bathing suit, he was dressed like as a tortilla chip. And then he brought out a little pool that you could tell had guacamole in it, and he got in it, and then turned into something else. Like, it's just so much cleverness. Um, He came out at the Virgin Mary at one point and then revealed a yellow rose evening gown, like the Yellow Rose of Texas. For his talent, he was a pinata, and pieces of him would fall off, and it was just amazing. So I was so proud of him. He won the whole thing. The event raised $540,000 for the charity, and it was just thrilling. And he got standing ovations in the middle of the show for like his evening gown and stuff. So the crowd loved Reba Reba and I was so happy and proud of him um, because, you know, it's fun to back a winner. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that feeling? Oh, brother. I think I might go canvassing this weekend um, and knocking on some doors for some candidates. Do I? Should I? By saying it out loud, I feel like I'm going to make myself do it because I feel like that's much more effective than like... Um, scrolling down Facebook and screaming. All right, uh, that's enough for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!